Hi, I'm John Niehaus, Director of Program Development for the National Association of Flight Instructors, welcoming you back to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder Podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And today's a special episode. Today, I get to actually talk to a NAFI member, which is always one of my favorite things to do. And uh, I want to introduce you to NAFI member Nathan Ballard. Now, Nathan and I met at the NAFI Summit, so thank you for coming, Nathan. Um, and uh, we were talking about sort of the the idea of the podcast and and how sort of NAFI disseminates this information. And and my favorite thing is to get sort of ideas and content from members. You don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to have written a bunch of books to come on these things. We we want to get information from from people out they're doing the job, you know, and, and I think that there's a lot of valuable information out there and people just don't know that, uh, you know, we're, we're really interested in helping you share it. Um, you know, I always look at NAFI as, as a way to kind of promote, um, the individual promote instructors and, and gets kind of that idea of everyone has something interesting to say out there. And so we were talking about uh, the Mentor Live presentation that happened this month, and that was how to crash an airplane. And your idea was, okay, well, what about, you know, the ideas that lead into crashing that airplane? What kinds of things can happen? How do you deal with it? Um, and, uh, you know, brief introduction, we've got Nathan Ballard here. He's a uh, CFII. He's been doing it for five years a independent CFI working for uh, AeroVenture Flying Club, and that's out of Atlanta area in Georgia. And uh, he's also a FAA safety team member and does presentations for them occasionally. So Nathan, welcome. Thanks. Thanks, John. I, I was excited to talk to you and and be on the podcast to talk about this, you know, really important, often not discussed topic. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We're as we talk more about um pilot mental health and um you know certain other kind of buzzwords in aviation at the moment, the idea of um you know having to deal with a in-flight emergency potentially caused by one of the pilots on board, it's not a fun topic to talk about, but I think it's an important thing that we all need to be to be ready for in case it does, right? Yes. And and I think that in in so many cases we aren't ready because we don't talk about it right mm -hmm. you know when when newer cfi uh, new newer instructors are you know they when they're learning about instructing they're learning about you know how to teach eights on pylons or you know fundamentals of flight things like that and they put a lot of time and energy into that but once they're on the job there's a lot of real world stuff that happens this being one of them that they need to be prepared for and i know in the story that we'll talk about i wasn't prepared for yeah, you know, so and and it's interesting because it's always good to have somebody who's actually gone through this to talk about it. It's one thing to say, well, you know, this is how you prepare and this is how you do it. Um, it it's kind of that that exercise that looks good on paper, but having actually encountered the situation that we're about to chat about, I mean, I think that that makes you the prime guy to uh to to be able to educate others on on the subject matter. So Let's jump right into it. What happened and, and you know, why? And, and let's chat some details here. I mean, it really just, it's a story and it starts in, and there's, you'll, you'll hear a lot of things that maybe I could have done differently or, or things I should have done differently. And the mistakes are things I learned from that. I hope, you know, people listening to this podcast, um, you know, take from this, 
So the, the story really is I was a newly certificated instructor and I was as eager as anybody could be to exercise the privileges of my certificate, right? I wanted to get out there and teach. So I'm hanging out at the airport a lot and looking to fill in wherever I can. And the day came where an instructor said, hey, I can't fly. Who wants to take my, my pre-solo pre student for a flight? And I gladly you know, said, yes, I'll take it. You know, Pick me. And that's what happened. They're like, okay, yeah, you, you take this person up for, you know, for a flight. And I was like, done. So the first part of the story really is kind of, it's, it just sounds really good. Like what could, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, the, the day, it was a spring day, the weather was amazing. There's no clouds, the visibility, there's no turbulence. Um, and the, 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 the learner comes to the, you know, we meet at the airplane. The guy is like so enthusiastic he's ready to go, you know, just really eager and ready to fly and to learn. So that me, you know, as a newer instructor, I was like, oh yeah, we're going to have a great time. This is going to be fantastic. And the one thing that you'll, you know, it's probably worth mentioning now that we'll talk about later is this guy was like, he knew his way around a gym. Like he was built like, mm. <laughs> you know, you know, very muscular and, and, you know, clearly dunk a basketball with no problem. And, uh, and, you know, that'll come into play later as, as you can, you can imagine. I imagine kind of the, yeah. Yeah. So that's the scene, right. Um, you know, we're, we're getting ready to go out and, and do some flying. So what happens next is we, you know, we did, we did, a couple, you know, we did some briefing on the ground. We, we briefed the positive, positive exchange of control, certainly. And we talked about what we were going to do. We didn't spend a lot of time on the ground talking about what we we're going to do. Um, but we did talk about, that and that we're going to go out and do some slow flight and some um, steep turns and you know some maneuvers and during that conversation and this this is where kind of the the red warning light goes off again after the you know how big this person is he's he said you know what i'm just not ready to stall the airplane i'm really nervous about it you know i'm just not sure about it, it just sounds like we're going to fall out of the sky and so i put that into my you know new instructor brain for like half a minute it was there and I kept it there, but as we'll find out later, I didn't keep it there long enough. So we go out, uh, we take off and head to the practice area and uh, do some steep turns after clear the area. And, you know, we're having fun and on the flight deck, everything's great. You know, the life is fantastic. This guy, um, uh, I won't name his name. He just nailed his steep turns, like totally within you know, ACS standards. I mean, he's a pre-solo student. I'm like, okay, let's, let's move on. He's, he's great. Got great command of the airplane. It's um, let's keep going. So we then transitioned into slow flight and did that, did some climb to descent again, just the guys just nailing it. And I'm just like, well, okay, what am I going to do over here? Like this, you know, this is, uh, you know, I need to be instructing and um, he's just doing such a great job handling the airplane. And then um, we do some, you know, some more maneuvers, uh, and as our time is, is moving on, I think, well, you know what, let's just, let's revisit that topic, right? Let's revisit the, the topic of the stalls. So, um, John, you can probably guess what I did here, right? So, um, have a hunch. Here, here, yes. Here, here's another, you know, there's a couple of mistakes I made during this next sequence. And so I thought, okay, if we're going to get him into that stall, you know, that stall, you know, near the stall, let's get back into slow flight. And, you know, as instructors, we know, or seasoned instructors, we know we should probably treat each maneuver independently and not combine maneuvers like a slow, you know, slow flight into a power off stall. 
probably not a good idea. Did I know that at the time? Had I been taught that? I didn't. You know, I took responsibility for for not knowing that. So we get into the we get into slow flight. Everything's going well, and I just you know my inexperienced CFI brain is thinking, you know what, this guy, he knows how to fly the airplane. You know, there's what can what could possibly go wrong here? I'll 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 just coach him through this, and you know I I have this fancy CFI certificate that says, oh, I, I can teach you to just release a little back pressure, right? Just if, if you hear the, you know, we're going to hear the horn and the, you're going to feel this buffet and the nodes will drop a little bit. If you just release a little back pressure, you know, just a little bit, everything's going to be fine. We're going to start flying again. We'll have power. Um, all will be well. And at this point, again, something else, you know, I'm, I'm not noticing. I, I look back and notice things are getting really quiet in the cabin, and mm. we'd been talking and joking the whole time not, and just having a good time with our flying. And it just kept getting quieter and quieter. And we're in slow flight. And I said, okay, well, you know, let's go ahead and pull it up and we'll pull that power back and just hold your, your attitude, uh, keep some back pressure. And again, release it once we feel the stall. And that happened, right? The, the nose broke straight down. But what didn't happen was that gentle re- releasing of the back pressure of the yoke. It was a, um, it was a, it was, uh, the yoke was full forward to the firewall immediately. Oh, and uh, and I'll pause there. Any questions so far? Or well, you know, I I will mm-hmm. say the one thing I keep hearing you say is is you know being a new CFI and 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 all this all of that and and you know I can certainly understand that and, and respect it, but I also would would say you know. I, you can only do the best you can, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, You know, if anybody looked at any of the training that I've done, I guarantee you I've made mistakes too. Um, So, you know, the, the story that you're, you're sharing with us. And and again, I appreciate that you're, you're brave enough to come on here and talk about it. Um, It's not about looking for any mistakes that, that you might've made. It's, it's, we learn collectively by hearing stories like this. So I, I just don't want you to feel self-conscious about, you know, telling the story or, or knowing, well, you know, I could have done this. Well, it's always easier on the safety of, you know, your, your, your couch or even just standing on the ground that, well, I could have done that differently. Um, but yeah, it, it's, and, and it, it, there's, I'm sure there was not a whole lot of warning signs outside of maybe some apprehension of, of this, this individual, not necessarily being too keen on, on the stalling of the aircraft. Yep. There, there, there wasn't. And, and when I say, you know, these mistakes, these are really, they were learning opportunities for myself. And, and I hope for, you know, the audience of this podcast for CFIs on the go that are, you know, looking to consume any type of instructor information that, you know, may not have heard of these things. So exactly. Um, yeah. We learn from mistakes, you know, definitely. So what happened then you know, as we all can imagine, you know, if you're in a, we were in a 172 at the time, um, you know, if you put the elevator, you know, full forward, like what's going to happen, you know, we're going to have, we're going to be pointed to the ground very quickly. And indeed we were, and I've gone back and tried to estimate, you know, how long did this whole event happen? And it couldn't have been more than three, four seconds, maybe just this whole, the sequence of events from the stall to what happens next to the recovery. It's just so fast. So you just have to, you know, one of the takeaways is you have to be ready to act. So as soon as the nose was full forward or staring at the earth, I'm, you know, there's no blue anywhere. Um, I said what I said on the ground, my controls, right? And I said it pretty, you know, with a with authority, like my controls. Um, and there was nothing, right? I, 
there was there was no movement, no acknowledgement, no releasing of the controls by the learner in that in that scenario. So I didn't think about this at the time, and I've had time to think about it now. So maybe I would, my approach would have been different. But what I did on that day worked. And I'm not a, a physical violent person, but I went straight for I went and started hitting his his hand and his forearm up to his elbow, like bang, bang, bang. And he let go, you know, quickly, um, which was very fortunate. And, you know, I kind of gently pulled us out of the dive, you know, put some power back in. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, the power was already in. So we were going. And <laughs> so you were uh, going down quickly. We we're going down. Yeah. We not just down. pointing down. You're, you're yeah. augering down. <laughs> yes. Power. So, um, got, you know, pull us out of the dive, pull the power back and, uh, and we recovered. Like we, and we took a minute, like, you know, we needed a minute. I needed a minute and he yeah. did too. Right? And, um, you know, I was on, on the controls and we just, we ended up finishing the lesson and honest. And what's surprisingly to me after about a, a few minutes of, um, uh, of that recovery, everything is back to normal. He was fun and enthusiastic and energetic. And we finished the lesson, you know, in a, on a positive note, but it could have been so much worse. Right. And that's what, that's the message of, of this story is what could have happened and what has happened to so many of our um, peers, you know, CFI peers and pilot peers um, that, uh, you know, a, a, a student pilot, or a, you know, a certificated pilot walk on the controls can absolutely kill you in no time. And so you have to be ready to do something about it. So after that event, I really dug into like what just happened, you know, what, what could I, what, you know, what were the warning signs? What are the, you know, what happened in, in the learner's mind? Mm -hmm. And it really goes back to that uh, primal fight flight, in this case, freeze instinct that we have. And it's a physiological response that, you know, John, you can't predict, I can't predict, anybody listening, you just don't know how you're going to act when you're when you're under some sort of undue stress like that. And for the student that day, he was under stress about this fear and anxiety around the stall that it got him to that, you know, very, um, uh, I guess, just core reaction, which in his case was freeze. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't, mm -hmm. he didn't fly. He didn't try to like get away from the controls. He didn't try to fight me or anything like that. It was just like, he was, he was physically there, but his flight um, kick in response meant he, he mentally wasn't there. Right. He was somewhere else. Now, when you reacted and he snapped out of it, was he upset? Like what was, what was his reaction when he finally kind of came to it's, it's such a good question. And there was no, there was never any upset. If anything, he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it wasn't immediate. It wasn't until we got out of the, you know, pulled out of the dive. He was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like what happened? Like it took him a, you know, a moment to like understand like, well, I, something wasn't right. Hmm. And I don't know. And again, I was a filling instructor for this um, uh, student who has since gone on to get his private good for him. Um, um, I don't know how, you know, what how it progressed for him you know lesson after lesson after that i certainly briefed the other cfi about mm -hmm. his regular cfi um but he you know he wasn't he was never upset he was more you know apologetic and then maybe dismissive like just not knowing how serious a situation it was yeah it's it, it is interesting because um funny enough i was actually talking to another instructor at the summit actually 
And, um, you know, she was telling me about how this has happened to her. And, um, you know, she's not uh, a, a, you know, a large individual. She's a little bit on the shorter side. And, and, you know, when you have a, a full grown guy sitting next to you, what do you do? Especially when you're, you're, you're not as even close to being as large. I mean, I'm sure this guy was a big guy, but you've got some size and, I'm sure you had a little bit of additional ability outside of, you know, somebody else. I guess I've been lucky, you know, in, in all the time that I've, I've had students and, and been a flight instructor, I've not had to encounter this, but I mean, I've heard enough instructors out there that have that it's, it's almost getting worse. It's kind of hard to tell. It is hard to tell. I don't know. And, 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 when I was at the the Nappy Summit, which I'll tell everybody listening, you definitely need to go next year because the the first summit was amazing. Um, this the this on the first night of the summit, we had a, you know a little mixer, you know get get together, and I I kind of just did a little poll poll of the room, the people I talked to, and said, "Is this has this thing ever happened to you?" And so many more than I thought would have said. They're like, "Yeah, that happened to me." Right. So I think it happens more than we think, especially for the. I guess, the, you know, the seasoned instructors that have been around for a bit. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm not sure I'm seasoned. I've got about a thousand hours of dual guilt given, but I, you know, I've seen a lot in those first thousand hours and it's, you know, those first hundred or 200 hours of instructing that maybe you're just not prepared for this. Um, and, and, and to your point, John, about different, you know, builds and ages and physical abilities. That's why we need to talk about this even more because um, you know, there was a, uh, you know, we won't go into the you know, the details, but up in Virginia, there was a young flight instructor who lost her life. You know, probably probably a similar situation on takeoff when the the you know the person in the the uh, left seat probably yanked on the controls, or maybe their seat back fell and they just couldn't get them off the controls. And that happens in, like I said, less than three, four, or five seconds at the most. Mm-hmm. And then another younger CFI out in um, uh, I believe Santa Monica, uh, similar type deal where you know the potentially the person the you know the discovery flight student uh, just decided to yank back on the stick and that's what you know that's when i started to really dive in like what do we do or what are the methods or techniques that we can arm ourselves with uh, to make sure that we don't hurt ourselves right that we don't hurt you know the the student or, or pilot or learner doesn't hurt themselves and we don't hurt somebody on the ground yeah so, no and, and that's very important um you know it, it's it's interesting because I was talking with an AME recently and um, we were talking about the idea of pilot mental health and, um, you know, certain disqualifiers for medical certificates and things like that. And, um, you know, one of the things that he mentioned was, is that, is there a difference or how do you identify the difference between somebody just being nervous and somebody having, you know, potential issues psychologically and that's not making light of, of, you know, mental health or any of that kind of stuff, because it, it's very important. But one of the things we don't think about as flight instructors is how important it is to understand so many things beyond just flying an airplane. You know, we are not just teachers of flight. We are psychologists. We're, you know, we're doctors. We're communication experts. We're leaders. We're this, 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 this. And so at any given point, we're being expected in real time 
to not just monitor somebody sort of psychologically, but also their fatigue level, their stress level. And of course, we know that even somebody who might not have a underlying issue, when those things get maxed out, sometimes bad things happen. Um, and that sort of appears to be kind of what happened to you, because it doesn't sound like this person had any kind of sort of psychological issues. Yeah. I, and, and you're right on, John. And I've heard you and others say it all the time, like we wear so many different hats as fight instructors. We're not just teachers, like we're coaches and and psychologists. And, and now, you know, we have to be aware of mental health or other health issues. And And I think that's probably one thing. Another takeaway here is that, you know, while we're we're probably good or you know hopefully good at a lot of those things we're not probably not great at some of those things and we and we shouldn't be like you know mental health or health like we leave, leave that to the, our you know the mental health and other professionals um to 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 you know understand those things better than us but 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 because we're in the air with these folks like we do have to put that mental health hat on or you know uh, those other hats on to make sure that everybody's going to be okay in that situation you know we're we're there to ensure safety Warning signs are everything because that's about all you're going to get in a, you know, flight situation. Now, before we get to kind of sort of lessons learned that you kind of researched and figured out and and kind of Monday morning quarterback, how much altitude did you guys actually lose when you're kind of pointing this thing full power to the ground? Oh, gosh. You know, I I didn't actually look. Um, I probably probably guess 1,500 to 2,000 feet or so. I mean, it was fast. Yeah. I, actually, actually, that's a great question. I need to go back and look at ADSB data. Um, I just know in my mind's eye, it was you know twenty thousand feet in in one second. You know, yeah. But it was it was it was fast, and um, part of the recovery from that after I you know hit the guy on the the arm and the hand and he let go, that took me into the you know really this kind of diving in with the learning phase. What else can you do, right? What else can a a CFI uh, be armed with in, on the flight deck to do and Part of my study was um, to actually do some experiments with my my son, who's uh, you know he's a private, he's now instrument rated pilot. Uh, cool. Um, I took him up and I said, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna do some stuff to you. Don't get mad at me. I just want to see what happens." Um, so I got him, you know, kind of in a, a locked on scenario, and it wasn't the same thing. But I just wanted to see what you know how effective were some of these things because I had heard you know some I, after you know I'd studying this, I heard like. Hey, if you just grab a feather and tickle their nose, they're going to let go. I'm like, well, who has a feather ready to go? Like, <laughs> you know, what are some real things that you can do? So, um, in my research, I, 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 and I put this into practice, like what would really make a difference? And, um, one of the first things that really made a difference that made my son just jumping <laughs> out of his skin was like, if you just attack the person in their armpit, like there is so, there's so many nerves there. And who likes to get, poked or you know punched or twisted in the armpit like that made him like convulse immediately he was off the controls no you know <laughs> no no without without hesitation so if i had to do it again that'd probably be my go-to the other yeah. thing that yeah sorry john go ahead. oh i was just gonna say you know the, the the one thing that i always hear and and i i think it was the individual i was talking to at the summit she may have been the one that told me this but uh i think she punched him in the nose yeah. uh, <laughs> um you know i think she just went bam and then just whopped him right on the nose and you know that's it's one of the more sensitive areas uh that you have access to from you know their face and and at least you didn't have to resort to that that's right and 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 
I mean, that's certainly what we do. And I, I think the message of hitting somebody in the nose or armpit or whatever, like the message is do whatever you have to do, whatever comes to you in that moment you have to do. But if you think about it ahead of time, maybe you hit the armpit or go for the nose. The other, a couple of the other techniques that, uh, you know, after talking to some seasoned instructors was, you know, that the headset, when it's on, if you hit the, hit them in the headset with an open hand, like it's going to be so loud and may, you know, almost concussive or cause a concussion you know, where I'm not advocating for, you know, hurting anybody, but that was something that was mentioned to me several times. Like just, if you just smash them in, in the headset, like something's going to happen. So that was another technique that I thought was interesting. Um, a, a couple of other ones just quickly to, to talk about. Um, I got some feedback on like, just grab anywhere in their abdomen or their gut and just pinch as hard as you can and twist, right? Mm. Something to just pull all those nerves all together and just make it as painful as possible. Whatever it takes to, you know, wake them up or just get them off the controls. Um, and so there's techniques like that. And one of the other techniques, John, that um, had been mentioned, and I was like, this is like the feather. There's no way this works. And I didn't prompt my son. I said, I didn't say anything. He was just flying along. And I, I gently just covered his eyes, right? And I didn't even touch his, I didn't touch his face. I just covered his eyes. And it was a shock to me. He came right off the controls, right? Really? And that's something that is, has been, you know, you know, I don't know if that's just uh, knowledge passed around instructors, but Hey, you know, cover their eyes and something will happen. Your, their natural instinct is to take their hands off the controls to remove the, whatever's blocking their vision. Cause they, you know, need their vision for flying. So again, surprisingly, I thought I, there's no way this is going to work and it worked in that, in that very controlled environment. So that might be something that, uh, you know, you put in your arsenal as well. Um, yeah, that's but, great. I mean, it's certainly situationally dependent. And, and like you said, we're not advocating violence in the cockpit in any way. However, um, you know, when you're when you're thinking about an aircraft that, um, you know, includes your personal safety, but also the safety of those on the ground, sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, but it's interesting to know that that there are certain sort of low impact things that that would allow for even a momentary release of the controls that might be all you need. Um, to, to correct the situation and hopefully get them to kind of snap out. Now, it sounds like you were pretty lucky in the sense that once he did snap out, it was over, you know, it, it, there wasn't uh, a continued issue. There wasn't animosity or any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what do you think you would have done if he had kind of snapped out of it, but then been upset or, or, you know, had further, issues on the way i mean I'm, I'm assuming you would land but you know how do you think you would have reacted to that yeah, it's, it's such a good question you know I'm, I'm not even sure i know all i know is in that moment that i wanted to get control of the airplane which i did and if there had been any sort of um uh, i guess further he wasn't aggressive but if there had been any other um uh, interference with the flight controls or our, our safety of flight um there's i i do know in that moment and now there's nothing I won't do to ensure the safety of a flight. So mm -hmm. if that, if that means, you know, we, we got a brawl up there, <laughs> we will hopefully not, but um, whatever it takes to, you know, get that plane on the ground and it doesn't have to be at an airport. If we just need to, you know, find that field right below us and get down, then I think that's probably the, you know, the takeaway. Who cares about the airplane at that point, if we're having a, an altercation or a, some sort of you know upset, then mm -hmm. um, we, we got to get down. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's worth noting and it's serendipitous that I just had this, this discussion with the AME. Um, but depending on the circumstance, you know, if there is something as the CFI, if there is something that you think, okay, this person, you know, may have these issues, or I'm concerned that maybe there's some, something they haven't told me, um, you know, the AME that I was discussing this with 
basically said, as you would expect, the CFI is a line of defense in, in aviation safety. So if, you know, certainly you may have reports to fill out, there may be, you know, NASA forms to do depending on what actually happened. Um, but as a CFI, I encourage all of our listeners, and, and of course you included, if if this ever were to unfortunately happen again, um, if you need to consult with an AME about, hey, this happened, I think this person may be troubled in one way or another, um, that AME can then go through the proper steps that they're trained on to put some limitations or, you know, whatever they need to do on the respective pilot. Not something that we ever want to consider. Nobody wants to take the wings away from a pilot, but at the same time, you know, you may be doing them a favor that they don't even know about. Um, so just remember that there are lines of defense outside of you. You're not by yourself. You're not, you know, especially as an independent CFI, if you don't have a school backing you up, a chief chief instructor and, and so on and so on, it can be a very lonely place to be when something like this happens. It can. And I think this is phrased perfectly, John, like we are the first line of defense for the national airspace system. Like who's going to get their certificate and ratings? And we, we have to watch out for these things and we should not be, nobody likes to call the FAA or the AME. There's that mindset. However, you know, we don't want this person to harm themselves or some, you know, worse yet someone else. Um, yeah. So if there's something that, you know, if, if it's raising a red flag in your mind, like it's probably something that you should explore and um, and make sure that the the people who are more qualified like an AME to make that determination. Yeah. Nobody wants to be that guy, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes you have no choice. Yeah. So, um, you know, what other things about the uh the situation would you like to tell people? I mean, are there other lessons that you've learned in in sort of retrospect as you've put time from uh from the situation or what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I not only that event, but I've had a, another one that wasn't quite as serious, but, and it was on takeoff. I'll give you the 30 second story. Uh, a, a wife surprised her husband with a discovery flight, brought him out to the airport blindfolded. I was the CFI on duty that day and got the, 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 you know, the luck of the draw to fly them on his flight. And it, he didn't know what was going on. And, it, and then we got in the airplane. I briefed him and all that. As soon as we took off, he's like, ah, he's going crazy. Like he's thinking it's the coolest thing ever. He's like starting to reach for the controls. I'm like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> you know, so I think the takeaway there is like, it can happen anytime. Like mm -hmm. it could be, you know, when you do maneuvers, it could be on a discovery flight, you know, taking off. It could be on landing when they're, you know, high and trying to get down, don't know what to do. Like we just have to be ready anytime, you know, that complacency we talk about, like it, that's, a, that's a killer of CFI. So um, we need to watch out for that. The other takeaway, John, is this doesn't just apply to us as instructors. Um, you know, how often is it that a newly certificated private pilot goes out and takes their friend out for a fly to go flying and says, Hey, why don't you fly around? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, to extend this further, we need to prepare our, you know, private and commercial, you know, people that we train, we need to at least make them aware of this, that this could happen and be prepared for it because it's not just us, you know, the CFI community that it's happened to, it's happened to pilots as well. And, um, you know, probably there's probably, more risk with, you know, private pilots or commercially rated or commercially certificated pilots because um, they don't, they probably haven't even thought about it at all. And all of a sudden something happens. So um, we should be passing that on, not only to ourselves, but to our, our uh, partners as well. 
the other, the, maybe another takeaway or two is, you know, as I start, you know, start, as I, you know, really thought through this after the fact, and I got into all this study about it was, um, as a newer CFI, you really have to hone your instinct and your, um, your ability to trust your gut, right. And to use your eyes all the time and kind of know, know what's happening with the person in the left seat. And that's something that, you know, just takes practice, right. You know, have their mannerisms changed? Has their talking changed? Has their, you know, their body posture changed? Like what are those, those cues that you can possibly pick up on um, as you're, um, as you're sitting there observing from the right seat, because, you know, as CFIs, we're not just looking straight ahead. We're looking everywhere. We mm -hmm. get that ability to be in that catbird seat to look and see exactly what they're doing. So you really need to, you know, hone that skill and trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably right. Isn't right. Absolutely. So, when those hairs stick up, they're doing it for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately we live in a time where kind of the, the pandemic was rough on, on society. It was rough on people and, and I'd like to believe that for the most part, you know, everybody does the right thing and, and, um, you know, understands where they're at, but you just don't know. And who knows what other people are going through. And, and that's one of the other things about it is that I always advocate to CFIs that even if it's a student that you might only do one or two flights with, you know, it's always important to have a, an open dialogue with them, have a discussion, learn a little bit about them. Um, because that's going to be your one opportunity to understand who they are, you know, have, are they going through any life issues? You know, you don't have to ask like, Hey, have you been divorced recently? Like you, you want to do it a little bit more, um, you know, uh, proper than that, but just through a, a handful of kind of delicately worded questions, you can learn a lot about somebody and, and that'll give you kind of the ability to figure out, well, is this person potentially a risk to me and others, or, or should I be comfortable enough going flying? What happens after that? If you discourage, if you have to discourage them that I don't know if I have a whole lot of qualified advice for, but, uh, um, you know, just one of those ways of, of mitigating a potential issue. It is just that discussion kind of getting to know what they're about. And then, you know, don't ever skip the things that we should do every time, like that pre-fight briefing. What are, you know, what are we going to do? Who's on the airplane? What happens if something happens? Like, that stuff is not something we need to, uh, and, and I guess I'm speaking to all of our, all instructors, but especially our newer instructors, like don't, don't skip the, that's the important stuff, right? That's the stuff that's going to make a difference between life and death. Um, so, you know, if you're going to do a pre-fight briefing with someone, do it every time. Don't just skip it, you know, just because you know this person, you've flown with them twice. Do, do the things that you know you should do and, and don't take shortcuts. Um, and that'll, that'll certainly benefit you. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm guilty of this too. We forget sometimes that the things that we do can scare people. Um, I I remember very distinctly, I had a, I was teaching um, for a part 61 school and I had a lady that came up um, and she was, you know, a little bit nervous, um, but excited. Oh, I've always wanted to do this. And I think she was maybe in her, I don't know, mid sixties. And, um, so she says, Hey, you know, do you, do you want to go and, and I'd love to do an intro flight? And I said, sure. Why not? You know, I'm a hungry CFI and just looking to, to get in an airplane and go do some things. And I thought it was going very well. And she mentioned stalls too, just like, just like your student did. And, 
And uh, we talked about it and I briefed it a little bit, or at least I thought I did. I was still pretty new myself. And um, I I wasn't getting the cues. She was trying to tell me, I don't want to do these. This is my first flight. I've been frightened of these previously. It's been one of the reasons why I haven't flown. And I didn't hear any of those things. All I went was, ah, it's no big deal. You're going to love it. And we did it. Never saw her again. And, uh, you know, it's obvious that was a long time ago. And I still think about it. You know, it's it's you you think that if you just give them a few words of like, nah, it'll be good. Don't worry. You'll have fun like that. That fixes people's anxiety. And and I learned firsthand that it doesn't always <laughs> fix people's anxieties. Um, I got lucky because she didn't freeze. But, you know, I understand your situation. I mean, that's such a good example. I mean, that what happens first makes a lasting impression. And um, similar story, my my wife took a, a lesson years before I was an instructor, but a pilot. And um, the guy just made it his mission to scare her. Mm. And it just it just ruined her flight training experience. And she's like, I don't want to ever do this again. And, you know, that's why we really have to take care of the person that's, you know, that they're entrusting our skills and our abilities to teach. Um, we have to, we have to use that wisely and not uh, do things like, you know, um, that will discourage folks from flying. And it, it really, the responsibilities of being a CFI are so much greater than just steep turns, how to land and, uh, you know, instrument procedures. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a human responsibility that we have to, to these folks. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, Nathan, I appreciate that uh, you came on and, and shared your story and, and talked to all of our listeners about this very important topic. Um, it's It's been a pleasure to get to know you. I really hope that uh, you'll consider kind of coming back and, and visiting with us again. But uh, any any final thoughts? I, I love talking about, you know, this topic and so many other topics. I mean, you just, you know, we talked about stalls for, you know, 10 seconds and like we could talk about that forever and the fear and the anxiety around it. Like there's just a lot of things that, you know, a podcast like this and, and the programs that NAFI has that really, really make a difference to the instructor community. And I'm happy to be a part of it. So thanks for having me, John, and uh, whatever NAFI needs from me, then uh, certainly sign me up.